0: Straight from the cockpit It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe With the fucking pilot Ready, set, go All right, once again Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void I, as always, am the fucking pilot And via the magic of the internet A good friend of mine And a hell of a human being Who the fuck are you and what do you do? Uh, I
1: am Pablito uh, uh I am a master parachute rigger. I've been skydiving now for a long, long time. So, you know, that's what I do. I skydive and I help people skydive.
0: Pablito with the sexy <laughs> accent. You sexy motherfucker. I haven't seen you in ages. That's oh. true, man. I miss you. I miss oh, talking shit with you, man. Absolutely, man. <laughs> You're a good person to sit around and talk shit with, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> I I love that I'm looking at your your picture online and it's you in the unicorn suit from, uh, what was it, uh, Boom?
1: That was, yeah, Boom Tomorrowland. That was uh, about... Four years ago now, oh, five, I
0: think. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I remember you telling me uh-huh. the unicorn stories, and, and I, in fact, we'll get into that at some point for sure, for sure. But awesome. before we get too far ahead of ourselves reminiscing, so you are a master parachute rigger and you jump out of airplanes. Um, is it the only extreme sport you do, and and how did you get started? I mean, when was that first jump and Why?
1: Well, um, I've done a lot of, uh, I wouldn't consider them extreme sports because they're high-risk sports, uh, all of them. Uh, Nothing is really extreme if you look at it from a safety point of view. But um, when I was young, I started actually, I was a swimmer and uh, playing tennis. And then I had a lot of anger issues. So (laughs) my brother put me on rugby uh, because he thought it would take me down. Did it? and. Uh, not really. Actually, made me be more aggressive. But then, because there were bigger guys than me, I was lucky enough that to realize that there's uh, you have to keep yourself in check.
0: Mm, yeah, because if you <laughs> don't, somebody else will, right? Oh, yeah, I hurts a lot, a uh, oh, lot yeah. of
1: pain. And um, then after playing rugby for about 10 years, um, I was lucky enough to go on an exchange program to New Zealand, where actually I really learned how to speak English. And um, I met a Maori guy. He was, uh, at that moment, I was about 5'10", 220, 230 pounds. Oh, shit. Uh, This guy, he was about (laughs) 6'4", 6'3", about 300 pounds, and he was 17 years old.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: And (laughs) we had a game. It was called uh, Argentina uh, because I I had an ability to kind of like sprint very well. Right. So we we had a penalty close to the the goal line, and they're like, Argentina. And I'm like, no. (laughs) They're like, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's going to hurt. Because I saw the guy, and like the only way that I had to go through it was through him. Oh. And I remember I'm going full speed. They gave me the ball. And as I'm getting ready to hit him, I kind of like just embraced for it and I stopped. Mm. I was going nowhere. He literally took me and he stopped me. Mm. And a guy came from behind and kind of like trying to get the ball from me and he hit me on the shoulder. And I just remember screaming, blacking out and then they're taking me out of the out of the rugby field you know, going like, what happened? Wow. I don't feel my arm. I don't feel my hand very well. And they're like, uh, yeah, they dislocated your shoulder, but it's back in place. You'll be fine.
0: It's because you don't feel it because the Maori guy tore it off. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Man, I don't know a whole lot about rugby, but I know you don't fuck with the Maori when it comes to rugby,
1: <laughs> especially the North Island Maori. Right? You know, from, uh, he was, I lived in North and. Uh, north of Auckland in a place called uh, Omapere Opononi yep. uh, and the, in the Hokianga Harbour is on the west coast of the island yep. uh, most people know the bay of islands that is on the east side it's yeah, just yeah. It's straight across and then you go more you go no, uh, like towards the north and you have Kaitaya yeah. And that's where the actually big Maudis that used to go down south, uh, kill the man and take the woman and take him back up. Yeah, That's where they're from. <laughs> yep. So it was one of those boys.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, uh, I spent my time in the Bay of Islands in... Uh, um, uh, you know, right in Paihia. And then we jump up, uh, we jump up in Fongaray, uh, up near, uh, uh, a little bit closer to Auckland. And, uh, I actually was in your old neck of the woods. If I'm not mistaken, you take the same road past Kitty Kitty, where the airport is to get to where you were. Pretty much. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So what do you know? (laughs) That's awesome. So you're, you're over there, um, after having your arm ripped off by a big Maori guy, um, so yep. you're, you're recovering from this and obviously that's no more rugby, I'm guessing.
1: Well, uh, actually it was, it was the, the saddest, happiest moment of my life in a way because, uh, they took the x-rays and everything. And I had, um, a separation from the humerus into the shoulder socket. Right. And, uh, the, the guy just like, it's funny cause the GP pr- working on me was my, my host dad, oh. you know, and he goes, Pablo. Uh, I have good news and bad news. If you want to keep playing rugby, and the same the same impact happens, you will lose your your right shoulder. It's done. Ooh. Or you quit playing rugby forever. That that is the sad part. So you make the choice. And I'm like, I like I like my arm. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, that is the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to take it away from me. He wanted me to to realize what was going on with it. Well, now, how old were you? I was uh, 17, 18. That's at pretty that age. young,
0: actually, to make a, a choice like that. I mean, uh, I remember being 17, 18 years old. Uh, I may have been tempted to just duct tape my arm back in place and keep going. Uh,
1: y- y- you know how hard it is when you don't really feel your fingertips and then, like, you're trying to reach for something and it just, a sh- like, a shot of pain that goes from the shoulder all the way to your stomach and you feel kind of nauseating? Yeah, I do. That actually. was for about.
0: Two weeks oh, of that. Yeah, I only had that for a few days. So Yeah.
1: Oh. I I I was like I was sad because I couldn't play rugby and I really enjoyed it because it's uh it's the first the first type of sport that it's very brutal and it's very physical, but it has some type of um on it, like sure. some loyalty. Sure. You know, you you're not dirty with somebody. If somebody's it does you wrong, you know, you show them off by playing better than they do and of course you're going to get their ass kicked by your teammates because they fucked you up and you're going to fuck them up but (laughs) it's it's in a different way it's like if if there's no foul play or there's nothing wrong you you play a very nice game and at the end of the of it every single rugby game that i've done in my whole life it was at the end like you're hugging drinking beers talking shit sure and uh yeah drinking beers Uh, argentina and different worlds <laughs> so <laughs> literally you're just like having a good time you know and like you're talking about how awesome the game was right you know there's no like i hate you i'm gonna kill you like on the on the on the on the match yes you are because i'm gonna win and i want to win and i want my team to beat your team sure but afterwards it's like i really like the play that was great how you guys did that so it's more like a growing sport sure more like a, i'm gonna push you down so you don't grow anymore
0: right yeah yeah absolutely that's very very so, cool. Well, so how did all that transition into? I mean, see, personally, I consider that a fucking extreme sport. Uh, any <laughs> any sport where you put me on a field where half of the people on that field want to rip my head <laughs> off my shoulders is fucking extreme. That's a that's yeah, but hardcore.
1: You're, but you're fit. You're you're in good shape, and and it's it's a very entertaining because you have to think in high pressure.
2: Sure, sure. So
1: it slows everything down. So. Um, that happened. And then the, the company that I did, the exchange program AFS, and I'm super grateful for it. Um, they, every year they did, um, a tour of the South Island from the people from the North Island and a tour from the North Island of the people from the South Island. Sure. So when they were doing the preparations all to do the tour of the South Island, they're like, do you want to go skydiving? Well, and I'm like, that sounds interesting. <laughs> So, but it's like, well, you need to call your mother and she needs to approve it. Even if you are, if you're turning 18 years old, Mm. you have to, you have to have the approval from her because, uh, of the legal reasons, blah, 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 blah. Sure. So I wait next day. I call my mom. I'm like, Hey mom, can you sign this thing for me to go skydiving? And in a very nice short way, she goes like, fuck no. (laughs) And I'm like. Mom, you know, like I don't know, it's I just want to try it. She's like, no, you're not gonna go skydiving, and that's it. That's the end of it. I'm like, okay, cool. So I completely forgot about it for years. Wow. So my exchange program finished. Uh, I went back to Argentina. I worked with my mom uh, while at the same time I was doing mountain biking with uh, one a very good friend of mine. That uh, I live in a plateau in a desert, high desert plateau in Argentina. Okay. So there's a lot of trails, and a lot of cool stuff to go and. I beat myself up a lot and like the pipe of the bike wearing sure. my boss many, many times. That My friends will always laugh at me because I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't see something and I'll do it and it will be pain, pain and they're like, ha Pablo again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that happens. And then just right as I'm turning 20, my mom goes, do you want a green card? And I'm like, what's that? She's like, well, you know, I'm an American citizen and I have the opportunity to give you a green card. Wow. So what can I do with a green card? And uh, I didn't realize how lucky I was at that moment. It took me many years to realize it. But uh, I'm like, you know, she's like, well, you can go to the United States and work there. And I'm like, that sounds like a good plan. Why not? It sounds like an adventure. That's the way that I looked at the whole thing. Sure. So it was pretty cool, you know, like, so I came back, I I moved to the States. Actually, I moved to the States um, 20 years, five months, uh, three days, and about six hours ago. (laughs) And I'm not counting.
0: No. Uh, no.
1: I I, I took the, the New Year's flight because I wanted to be a complete change, you know, oh, like how awesome. everybody says about New Year's change. Yeah. Man. And I said, I just want to I want to go there on New Year's and I want to celebrate New Year's on the plane. So then they're like, oh, sounds like a plan. Stamp, stamp. Fuck off. And I'm like, sweet. Nice. So I remember like my whole plan was to go to Texas. Uh, being in Texas for uh, like for about a year, year and a half, Figure out like the university staff because my brother was being was living there. OK. But my brother, uh, he was doing the first program between Texas Tech and uh, University of Americas in uh, Puebla, Mexico. OK. So it was the time that he needed to go to Mexico to finish his master's. So all this happened and I'm like, fuck. And my dad goes like, I have a friend in Boston. Do you want to go to Boston? And I'm like. <laughs> I don't know what Boston is, but sure, let's go. Remember, we're talking January, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. That's, that's, ooh.
1: So, yeah, you just said it all. Yeah. And um, so I go to Texas, spend six days with uh, with my brother. They put me on the plane from Dallas, uh, actually from Blava, going to Boston. My mom goes to Arizona to do her thing. And, um, you know, my brother goes to Mexico. And... About when I landed in Boston, it was 10 o'clock at night, I think. Oh. And on the radio, I remember here, tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day. It's going to be warm. It's going to be 32 degrees. And I'm like, yes, 32 degrees, nice and warm. No. Uh, I, forgo- <laughs> I forgot about that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we little- get to the house. The house is nice and warm. I didn't notice the snow. Oh, my. You know? So I wake up next morning, six o'clock in the morning, I stretch, I go downstairs, I open the door and it's snowing. I'm like, "Fuck this place, fuck this, this is bullshit." So the the host family that was hosting me, like my my, my dad's good friends, amazing people, I kind of been more grateful for them because they were super kind with me and mm. uh, they actually they they understood what I was going through because I didn't even understand it, but they they were super kind. Sure. So they were trying to help me to find a job and to get my driver license, and they were amazing with me. But to be honest with you, Boston was say, telling me, go away. Mm. We don't want you here. So after about a month of um, you know, getting super, super depressed, uh, I'm talking to my mom. I'm like, you know, mom, I don't think the States is for me. I don't really like Boston. Sure. Winter is horrible. Sure. I cannot deal with this. So I think I'm going to... Call the airline, get my ticket moved, and I'm gonna go back to Argentina. Mm. So after like about an hour conversation with my mom, um, the next morning the phone rings, and uh, you know Hugo uh, goes, "Pablo, your cousin Sebastian is calling you," and I'm like, "That's weird. Why will be he calling me?" You mm. know. So he goes, "Pablo, I just talked to your mom." I'm like, "Uh huh." She told me you're going back, and I said, "Well, you know, things are not going very well." I'm freezing all the time. It's snowing. It's horrible here. <laughs> and he was living in College Station, Texas, because uh, he was going to Texas A&M University. Sure. And uh, he goes, it's February. I'm in shorts. And if you go back to Argentina, I will kill you. And I'm terrified of him. <laughs> it's the only cousin that I'm truly terrified of them. And I'm like, like my question was like, what do you want me to do, man? He's like, look, you can live with me for a few months. I will help you get a job here and at least give it a shot in Texas, because if you don't do that, I will kill you. Huh. And from super scared, I look at like the little money that I have and I'm like, I can buy the ticket there, but then I don't really have money, man. Right. And he's like, don't worry, you know, because, uh, you know, he's like, I help you as much as I can. So um, literally I flew to Dallas. Uh, we did a four hour drive on that was 20th of February 2000 on 1999. No, 1999. OK. Yeah. 1999. And uh, literally... I was sweating on the car ride at night. Oh, yeah. Because it was so nice and warm in Texas. And oh, I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, I love this place.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, so we literally got to, to College Station. I met his girlfriend at the time. And I went to bed and we wake up. Like he wakes me up in the morning. He's like, I'm going to go for a run. When I come back, we're going to talk. The, we're going to make a plan for you. Awesome. And I'm like, sweet. So he did like a thing like because he was uh, he's a triathlete. So he's a hardcore. So he did, I think, like a 10 mile run. He shows back up. He's like, okay, number one, you're out of shape again. So we need to work on that. But that's not the case. We're going to, you have a suit. I'm like, no, we're going to go buy your suit and you're going to go for an interview. Mm. Uh, there's this uh, temp agency, and I think you'll fit very well in, you know, and we'll see what happens. And I kid you not, within a week, I had a job. Awesome. Uh, everything was looking good. And, uh, you know, like I just I'm like, okay, cool. So I can start working on my residency. Everything was going good. Uh, My cousin was super, super kind. Like he would drive me sometimes places, but sometimes he'd be like, you need to get your own car. Stop fucking around, you know. Right. So he was he was actually being kind of like a parental figure without being my parent, being more like a friend. Sure. And uh, I'm super grateful for that from him because he was like literally he was he's three years older than I am. You know, and taking that type of responsibility, man, it's it's incredible. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I started working in a civil engineering business office. I was the receptionist. So I would be like, good morning, civil engineering business (laughs) office. This is Pablo. How may I help you? Right. You know, and uh, they were like, I need to talk to Jane. I'm like, "Okay, hold on a minute, please. Mm -hmm. Jane, you have a phone call, line one. (laughs) So that was literally me for like about three months. And uh, they were so happy with having me there that they took me out of the, like, the temp agency and they hired me. Nice. And uh, I got, like, a 20% raise. It was incredible. Everything, all that that happened. I'm like, oh, my God, this is something that I I can actually now start seeing a future, something to work towards, you know? Sure. So I started making my plans to go into the community college so I can get enough credit, so I can go to university. And I'm looking at university programs. And this is like about seven months into it. There's this lady that she actually just started working in our department. Uh, Her name is Kate Choate. Okay. And uh, so, you know, like the the things that you do in an office when there's a new person, everybody goes, hey, hi, how you doing? If you need this is what I do. And you introduce yourself. And the first picture she hanged, you know, that one, um, that success picture with the hundred way with the four different colors.
0: Uh, I know. Well, yeah.
1: She hangs that. And I'm like. That is something that I always wanted to do. And she, without skipping a bit, she goes like, everybody says that shit, but nobody goes skydiving. Everybody <laughs> talks about it. Right? If you want to go skydiving, there's a phone number. You give them a call and uh, and I will take you to the drop zone.
0: Oh, no kidding.
1: And I I grab, the, I grab the phone number. I go back to my desk. I call them. I set up to do my um, AFP program because I wanted to do a tandem. Yeah. But they're like, look, for 20 more dollars, you do training, and then you do AFP, and it's a advanced uh, tandem free fall, whatever program. And I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. <laughs> and literally, I walk back like 10 minutes later, I'm like, um, my my appointment is for uh, August 19th. And she goes like, you did what? I'm like, well, <laughs> you told me that nobody does it, so right. I really want to do it. <laughs> so She's like, perfect. And... I could not have asked for any better people to take me back to the drop zone.
0: Now, what drop drop zone was um, this?
1: Skydive USA in Wharton, Texas. Okay. Uh, It was Chuck Aker's old drop zone. Okay. So, John has been skydiving since the 60s, her husband. Uh, She's also been skydiving for many, many years. So, they are very traditional skydivers, you know. So, we drive there Friday night. Uh, I sleep on the couch at the drop zone. So imagine (laughs) like I'm getting into a real drop zone environment. No, none of these new corporate stuff. People sleeping in the office. You wake up, you take a shower, you clean everything up for the customers to come in. Right. You know, a little a little bit of Fandango style. Sure. Sure. So, you know, like they wake me up in the morning and um, they're like, you have your beers. I'm like, yeah, I bought the 12 pack like you told me. Perfect. So you're ready for tonight. And I, ha- I had no idea really what was going on. Right. And they put me at this classroom with uh, Rick Mayers. He's an old timer. And, uh, you know, like, so he's talking, and I'm just a little bit difficult with my English at the same time, trying to process that I'm going to be jumping out of an airplane sure. with somebody strapped to my back. So all this happens, and we're done with the class by noon. <laughs> and. The plane comes down. You know, it was like um, it was a uh, King Air, and okay. it was like a little rocket jet. So it's going up and down, and boom, boom! People jumping like crazy, and I'm looking at all these parachutes, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing? Right. I think I'm an idiot. All right. Why do I want to do this?" You know. <laughs> but I never stopped, and at any moment it was because I was looking how calculated the whole skydiving process was. Sure. So I never, and at any moment I was like, "This is stupid." You know, I was like, "This is safe." I was looking at the packers. And from that moment on, like, I w- got interested in gear because mm. I'm like, that is what saved my life. Sure. So I hear my name being called and I cannot find my instructor. And my instructor comes in, you know, his name is Ron Mills. He's like, dude, don't worry, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, what? It's like, don't worry about it. So he kind of puts on the harness. Right. And he's like, you remember about the class? And I'm like, three practice touches super fast. He's like, slow down. <laughs> three practice touches, then what? Uh, five, five, I open. Okay, perfect. That's it. You got it down. But how about the arch? Don't worry about it. You're fine. <laughs> so we get on the plane. Six minutes later, we are literally at 10,000 feet and he's hooking me up. Right. And I, you know, like how the King Air, they slow him down a little bit and they start like that kind of like dive, uh, for exit. Sure. Like, you know? Sure. So I feel kind of like getting like the little, uh, zero G.
2: Right.
0: And I'm
1: like, what's going on? He's like, don't worry about it. And then people start jumping out and I out <laughs> but i'm trying to keep it cool because there was a pretty girl that i want to oh. kind of like to impress I'm like you know like the the deer on the headlights kind of look oh yeah and there's a photo of it uh i need to look for it but there's a photo that you can actually see my face before the jump it's <laughs> priceless <laughs> so we get out we jump out i don't remember anything i remember being on the canopy and you know Ron is like, you did amazing, everything is good, all we right, we're right, f- I'm going to teach you how to fly a parachute. And the three tandems, I did them with Ron. I was super lucky to do them with the same guy. Sure. He was an ex-Golden Knights uh, world champion or whatever uh, for accuracy. Okay. So he taught me how to fly a canopy on three jumps. Wow. My level seven, I landed on the center of the piece without radios. <laughs> nice. Nice. You know, so, you know, he's like, okay, you did fantastic. Everything is good. Like, this is how you fly the parachute. Look for this. Look for that. Keep, keep attention with these angles. Before you turn, you look. So, he explains everything. We come. We land in. And I remember, like, at the moment I touch down, I turn around and I give him a hug. And I'm like, I love you, man. And he's like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, no, I love you, man. <laughs> so, he's like, cool. So, how was it? I'm going. and like, Kate comes. She gives me a huge hug. I'm like, So, how was that? I'm like, it's amazing. I want to go again. Yep. Yep. So I go to Manifest and they're like, we're completely booked for today. So if you want to jump again, it will have to be tomorrow. And I'm like, no, I have to go back because tomorrow I have other plans. And at the moment I'm leaving, like Kay saw that I was talking to them. So she's like, give him the sunset jump. Mm. If you want him, give him the sunset jump. So like I'm just goofing around the drops and looking at people packing parachutes, you know, and then they call me it's like, you want to go again? I'm like, yeah, OK, for sunset, you're in. And I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, we got somebody out of the sunset load, so you can take it, one of the fan jumpers. Awesome. So I realized later that actually Kay went, and she actually told him to do that for me. <laughs> so the, like, the sun is just about to set, and she's like, look at the sunset. I'm like, okay, cool. So we get on the plane, and then she's like, look at the sunrise. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's so fucking beautiful. Yeah,
0: you get to do it twice.
1: And, you know, so then we are climbing up to altitude. And, um, everything is fantastic. And then just right before I'm getting ready to exit, I'm a little bit more aware of what's going on. She's like, look at the sun, look at the sun, uh, the sunset again and look where the world bends. Mm the pilot somebody flashed the pilot so we went all the way to like 17,000 feet on the King
0: Air <laughs> wait 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 Now, hang on I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there <laughs> for those that don't realize because we now live in a world where that particular activity seems to have fallen by the wayside so what do you it's... mean flash the pilot and why would a pilot go even higher
1: <laughs> okay so this, I feel sorry for you on this one cuz since you just said doesn't happen as often mm. So, flashing the pilot is when a female or a beautiful woman decides to say something to the pilot, Mm. and as the pilot is turning around, He sees the boobies, beautiful boobies, just nice and shiny. The boobies. And the pilots get excited, and there's something that magical happens. You get extra altitude.
0: Yeah. isn't (laughs) Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. I don't think women realize just how powerful a creature they really are, that just showing their boobs will make an airplane go thousands of feet higher than it was planning on going.
1: It's incredible, but it's it's good because they haven't figured out that they are more powerful than men oh, yet. So actually, we're still winning.
0: I'm pretty sure they have.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I don't you know, know. I look just... look at this. Ball dancing is a sport
0: for us. No, I agree that it absolutely it's a <laughs> wonderful thing. I think we're doing fantastic. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm liking the direction that it's going, and I'm <laughs> I'm not so alpha that I'm not willing to go. Yes, mistress. Sure, I'm good I, with that, but yes. So I like the whip. Yeah. So uh, yes, it, it used to very much be a tradition in skydiving that boobies, ripping them out yep. in flight and flashing the pilot would get you extra altitude. That in the uh, um, the modern political male female world doesn't happen so much anymore.
1: It's sad. I mean, it's to be honest with you. They look at it like they say we need equality. We are not equal, man. No, they're women, so much they better. Are, they are beautiful. They have all these amazing qualities. Yeah. And men also, we have these amazing qualities. And equality makes no sense. No. We should be fair with each other. That's it. They, be fair.
0: At the end, I mean, I, I can sum it up very, very simply why I think women are so much better. They have boobs and we have scrotums
1: yeah that's boob, it boob, boobs bounce scrotums kind of like just hang oh, there dude, and get sweaty they just get
0: low oh, i mean i suppose <laughs> boobs and balls do the same thing time just drags them both down but even even young yeah. pert, tight balls there's nothing that looks good about them but oh. we're, we're, we've we've already strayed way, way off the subject <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> so yeah so
0: the sunset so <laughs> I remember
1: the reason that I, I learned about flashing is because i'm sitting like too close to the pilot because i'm in the tandems mm-hmm. you know So I got to see the boobies, too, and I was like, I love this place. I fell in love with Kat at that moment. The boobies were pretty. Uh, I I still remember her, and she would always be in my mind as beautiful boobies. Yep, yep. You know? Yep. So as we're going out, she tells me that. I remember being on free fall, and she was actually orbiting around us. So I see her. So I am started following her, and I already learned how to do turns, so I'm doing my turn, right? Right. And I see the sun her, Kay, my friend Kay, and as the sun is literally setting again, and I'm like, oh my God, that is fucking incredible. Mm. I can see where the wall bends, everything. I look at my altimeter, we open the parachute, you know, run completely, like, check parachute, sure. and look up, and I'm like, look square, looks steerable," <laughs> and the cider is down. I'm like, great, so we start flying the canopy. We land, you know, like, the drops drop size starts coming down for the day, and then they are like, okay, Pablo, one of the traditions, we go to the bonfire now. Mm. And this is how you're gonna tell the story of your first jump. Wow, you You're gonna give a beer you know, you're gonna give a beer to your to your instructor. You're gonna say thank you so much. You're gonna share beers with everybody else. And then you're gonna start no shit there i was i thought i was gonna die two
0: jumps in and you're gonna and you're a hundred percent in it already two jumps in and you've yeah. got the full experience you've you've made two well, skydives you're you're learning how to fly your own parachute you're doing turns you've seen boobs in a plane already <laughs> you've been on a sunset fucking load and now you're at the bonfire handing out beers and telling big fish stories fuck me man that's exactly
1: a cool... well that was the beauty of John and Kate. Uh, John passed away from cancer a few years back, ah. and um, he was um, he was a truck for the pawn man. Mm. You know, he always said, and he also wrote a beautiful a song. Um, what was the name of it? Don't uh, don't mess with the riggers' wife.
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Because
1: of the da- of the damn double pilot shouldn't tow.
0: That's just you know? fucking like, good advice. So, so basically, like
1: they just brought me into the culture. Sure. You know, I, I was blessed by being brought into them by the culture. So we're just literally sitting there. I'm talking, you know, and I finished telling like the story is kind of like what I told you. And then Ron goes, look at this. You were shitting your pants, man.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> at the door, you look back and you ask me if I was ready to go skydiving. <laughs> well, I was asking you if you were ready to go skydiving. Mm. Get the fuck out of the plane, man. Yep, yep. On FIFA, that's not an arch buddy. Your knees need to go back, not on your chest. So he's just, we're having fun, talking sure. shit about the jump, Sure. You know, and then everybody that hanged out that night at the drop and they all told their story for the day. Isn't that great? You know, so like literally this was in August. So sunset, it was like, you know, like kind of like around seven o'clock in the afternoon. Sure. We kept talking and drinking beers until like pretty much noon, like midnight, sorry, 12. Yeah. You know, and uh, then everybody went to sleep on their sleeping bags.
0: Yeah.
1: I woke up in the morning. And I went back. Awesome. So for two weeks, I could not stop thinking about skydiving. Sure. So I'm trying to save all my money because I didn't have any money. So I'm talking to Kay one day, you know, at the office, I'm like, Hey, Kay, you know, like, I really want to go skydiving, but it's expensive. She's like, I can see that you can become a packer
2: Because
1: mm. you were actually asking gear questions before anybody else was asking gear questions. Sure. And I'm like, well, they get paid well. And it's like, one of the guys that was at the drop zone, he pays rent in one day's work. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. So she's like, we're going to go to the drop zone next weekend. Uh, like, if you have the money, book yourself for the flights, but we're going to teach you how to pack. Yeah. So I'm like, sweet. So I showed up to the drop zone, and they taught me how to pack. And at the same time that I was learning how to pack, one of the packers quit the drop zone. So they just put me in to start packing on the weekends.
0: Wow. So you're you- –
1: so. Everything just fell in place. Like, I was so grateful for it.
0: Well, and it's funny that, uh, um, I mean, obviously packing is a a pretty uh, standard way for a lot of people to get started in the sport. But your start was pretty non-standard because you saw almost all of what the community and the sport had to offer in two fucking jumps in one, yep. in one day. Um, so yep. if a ever tells me they started in the sport by uh, being a packer, I'm not surprised, but that is a hell of a story. And especially because you were interested in the gear, obviously knowing that, you know, it saves your life. I remember uh, as I was starting and the very first time I ever saw someone pack a parachute I probably had a number of jumps because other than, you know, being taught about the, the gear and the canopy in the course, I never really paid that much attention to it in the very beginning. And I remember the first time I realized that there were rubber bands involved in packing a parachute. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. What, what, That was my- what part of this shit's held together with a rubber band and why didn't anybody tell me before I jumped out of that goddamn plane? you know cuz you didn't understand so but it, it was very cool that not only did you end up being very interested in the gear side of it but then you went on to become an extremely talented master rigger which is a whole nother story i mean y- y- you started the packing thing but obviously you've you've gone dramatically further in your career i mean how long you've been you've been at this 20 something years now uh, no not uh, 18 19 years 19 years man that's a long time in yeah. the sport
1: Yeah, and well, one so because I was surrounded with amazing people at the beginning, um, after I did my AFF level four, because you go do the three tandems and you go to AFF level four, one of my instructors, uh, I think his name was Martin, I haven't seen him in years, like since he left Skydive USA, I never seen him again, Uh, he was packing his reserve. And I was like, I want to learn that. He's like, fuck off. I don't want to teach anybody. Hmm. And then literally the next weekend, a new rigger shows up that he's like, I want to teach somebody how to pack this.
0: Wow, oh, very cool.
1: So, and I'm like, I'm here to learn. I was driving two hours. I was driving past two drop zones to go to this little drop zone
0: hmm.
1: um, because of the community. And sure. that's what always Kate said. It's like, I feel at home when I'm there. You sure. know, I don't go there often because it's a long drive, but I feel at home. And everybody was super like helping each other. Sure. And it's the same drop zone that Justin Price started jumping. Like Justin Price started jumping a weekend before I did. Nice. So and he was the packer. So like seeing his speed packing, he could pack a parachute in four minutes. I was packing like in ten minutes. And I'm like, I need to be good, like he is. Right. You know? And he was so like, I'll teach you, I'll show you. So like the the whole commodity and family sense of it, I finally Felt that I fit somewhere. Sure. Because I had my own odds, you know, like I still have my own odd things that I'm a little bit introverted or I'm a little bit way too outspoken. And they just welcome me in and says You're part of us, you know, like we need you to make this group better. Sure. Without you, this group is not better. And without the group, you're not better. So it's a, it's like kind of like a, a, a feed from each other of course, you know of
0: course well and that seems to be the biggest thing that every single person i've had on the podcast has said is that over and above the joy of the sport or the activity itself is the community
1: period yeah it's so it, it's incredible uh so like now imagine you grab somebody now uh you put them in a situation like that and they will not know how to deal with it mm. especially with how the times are changing Sure. What do you mean, girls show their boobies? Oh yeah, I mean it... one of my favorite things that happened, dude. I, so um, I I heard the podcast from Glass, right? Yes, he's talking about the naked beacon ride, right?
0: Yeah, Jim. So
1: <laughs> about two months into it, there's a big party at the drop zone. Everybody's getting stupid drunk, and there's a naked beacon ride going on,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: And I think her name was Julie, the lady. Uh, And people that are listening, they know who Julie is. Right. Um, You know, I remember I'm standing with one with a Mexican friend and we're just talking shit. As we're looking up, and literally the beacon shines this beautiful work of art. (laughs) And we're just both looking at it and going like, oh, my God, that is such a beautiful pussy. (laughs) You know, because you can literally it was just we're both like, wow. Without realizing that Julie's husband is standing next to us, (laughs) fucking pissed off.
0: (laughs) Why would he be pissed? Clearly he knows.
1: (laughs) Because uh, Julie's the alter ego of this person.
0: Oh, no. So she
1: goes wild when Julie comes out, right? I think it was Julie that I don't remember very well. So he's like, shut up. And he just keeps looking up. It's like, come on down here. So we are like, now we are laughing, drunk, having a good time. And I'm seeing them going out. I'm like, that was interesting. Like he's like, that's a naked beacon ride. I'm like, sweet, whatever. So the party continued. But yeah, when he was telling me that he burnt his cotton, that was a very rookie mistake.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Jim, you got to love him. I'll tell you what. He's got uh, more stories than I can possibly count about what would be considered rookie mistakes well past his rookie days. Um, <laughs> definitely not all his fault. Jim has done some amazing things, but I, I, I hate to use the, the phrase bad luck, but holy shit i mean wow we've all known some broken people but i i wasn't kidding in when i when i typed up the teaser for the uh the interview that uh, i've never known anybody quite so broken that wasn't dead or in a wheelchair that's completely the truth that's just Fuck, Jim. Man. that's just jim it really is that means
1: that he heals good though how lucky he is he, he has the, the benefit of he healing does good.
0: Feel pretty good so you, yeah. you become a working skydiver via packing and everything, but you became an, uh, an instructor as well, yeah?
1: Well, so so basically how I became an instructor was, so I was at Skydive USA, uh, Skydive Houston, but by Skydive USA, because mm-hmm. Houston had three drop zones, and by taking one drop zone of the equation, even if they don't get all the customers from that drop zone, at least they get increased. Sure. So... Um, all the good stuff that it was working at Skydive USA, they we migrated to Skydive Houston, and the good ones they kept us working. Sure. The other ones they kind of like say we don't want you anymore. Right, and uh, that those like it was pretty much all the stuff was divided between Skydive USA. I uh, know, sorry, Skydive uh, Spaceland. Okay, uh, Rosharon and Skydive Houston in Waller, Texas. So. For me, the more natural thing it was also that I was lucky that I went to Skydive, uh Houston, because it was a 45-minute drive, mm. besides a two-hour drive. Sure. So we started working there, and I was one of the packers there. And um, you know, like my, I had, I always had a rule: I need to do three jumps every day that I'm working. That's
2: you know? rule.
1: So I do first load, first load, lunch time, you know, lunch break. Sure. And then uh, sunset. Those were the things. And I told that to manifest and that's actually, that's how I met my ex-wife. Cause she was like, man, you are always doing the same thing. You're very predictable. Hmm. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, that was going on at, uh, at Skydive, uh, Skydive USA. And then there was uh, this guy, uh, his name is Todd. And he's like, he was living also in College Station, Bryan College Station where I lived. And he's like, I'm thinking about reopening Aggies over Texas. Hmm. That it was a beautiful little drop zone at uh, Bryan, Texas. When the plane crashed, I think it was in 2000, year 2000, 1999. But it was very devastating for the skydiving community sure. because it was uh, – they had a plane called Duct Tape. And uh, it was it was very devastating because everybody on board died. Mm. It was the typical 182 takeoff sure. engine stalls. Uh. And it's just super, super sad, you know. Sure. So he's like, I talked to everybody and they're okay with me trying to reopen the drop zone. And I'm going to need the head packer. And I'm like, I'll take it. You know, like I saw, I saw an advancement, sure. you know, I didn't see it as less work. I saw it like, okay, I'm going from being one of the fish in the pond to being the, the big fish sure. on the on a small pond. Sure. But at least that will, that will teach me things that I didn't know before. Sure. So he rented one of those uh, outside tents. He put a big motor home Okay. that where he, we, were, we were running the business and watching the video and doing all that. And I was packing outside. So for me it was great because now besides driving 45 minutes now I'm driving 10 minutes sure, too. Sure. And we could actually I was working from 8 to 5 and if weather was good during the week we were jumping from 5 until, five until sunset. So in that way we were always working. Sure. So like it it made me from only jumping on the weekends to be able to jump during the week. Sure. So slowly I was already working on my riggers ticket by then. Because uh, it took me three years to get my rigor sticker because I just wanted to make sure that I was doing it right. Because sure. the responsibility it's somebody's trusting you with their life, I, you know, for you for, to do the last
0: step. For those that don't know, uh, anybody that's listening to the podcast that is either new to Scott Iving or doesn't know anything about Scott um tell us a little bit about what being a master rigor involves because people don't really, I, I had no idea. Uh, what was involved in the gear when I started skydiving and <laughs> and there's a lot of skydivers out there that know very little about either how their gear is produced or what it takes to maintain it so what is it you know give us some insight
1: okay so basically rigging um, it's uh maintaining uh, maintaining and making sure that uh, I'm fixing the skydiving gear sure Uh, Senior riggers, they can actually pack it, do minor repairs, and uh, that's pretty much it, what they can actually do with gear. And a master parachute rigger can actually take a whole rig apart and put it back all together. So
0: you can basically build an entire system, the harness, the container, the parachutes, every damn thing. Yes.
1: If I have the approval from the manufacturer to build the product, yes, I can.
0: So um, so like a senior rigger can do stuff like patching a, a hole in a parachute, something like that. That's it. Um, yeah, so very, but it has very basic to be stuff. a simple patch. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like it cannot be on a seam. It has to be three inches from the seam. Uh, it has to follow all these rules. Like with the master rigger, can just actually go straight to the seam, open the seam do the patch, close the seam, and move on. So,
0: the, I mean, the base of knowledge that a master rigger has to have, I mean, you guys are tested incredibly in detail. I mean, the tensile strength of all the different fabrics and, and uh, the threads that you're using and the webbing that you're using, I mean, it's incredibly detailed, no?
1: Yes. I mean, we. it's, it's incredible because I don't see it that way now because for me it was something that it accumulated over years. But now when I see the guys preparing for it, I see how much they struggle with it because it's a lot of work. Sure. You know, and I was blessed because so I started working in Scaraba, uh We were working. Everything is fine. I was maintaining the rigs and uh, I became a rigger finally because Todd didn't want to pack any more reserves. Because actually I was packing under his ticket. Sure. So I was grateful that he let me do that. So I went to to take my senior riggers exam with John Sanford in Dallas, Texas, uh, with a very good friend of mine, uh, Dave Layhide. Okay. We went both together. He was my roommate, actually. We went both together uh, to to Dallas, and I never said a grommet until that day. Mm. So he's like, uh, so we're doing the test. He's like, okay, you do the pack job. So I'll be doing the pack job. He'll be testing Dave on something. Sure. So he was switching us around, right? And then he's like, uh, there's a piece of webbing, uh, there's the grommets, uh, there's the grommet set, and there's the punch. Set the grommet. Hmm. And he walks out. So now I'm looking at the washer and the grommet itself. Sure. I'm looking at the tool to set the grommet and the rawhide hammer. (laughs) And I never done it before. So now I'm like, okay, so this is for sure to punch a hole. Right. I punched the hole. Yay, I'm happy now. And they are doing the oral, okay. right? So, and I hear what they're talking about. I'm like, okay. Okay, I can hear them. They are good. They are, they are into it. So, I'm trying to look, figure out the tool, how the garments go together and the tool, scratching my head, cussing, like I'm calling myself horrible names because I'm frustrated now. Sure. So, I put it one way and I'm walking it, walking it, walking it, walking it, walking it like an idiot and nothing happens. motherfucker walk more and nothing happens and as i'm walking it i hear that they are almost done and they are wrapping it up and i'm like fuck so something lined up and it said you need to turn this upside down so i move the grommets and the washer around boom boom and i do a (laughs) walk
2: and
1: the grommet kind of sets and i'm like oh i'm excited right right and at that moment john is walking in and he goes like all that walking for nothing, are you strong or what? And I'm like, uh yeah, I don't know. I think it's right. He's like, no, this is not right. Let me do let me show you how it's done right. So he shows me how to walk it properly and I'm like, oh cool, can I set another one? So I do it, you know, like showing like I know what I'm doing right. now. Like he's like, now that looks proper. I'm like, thank God. So we finish everything, and he signs the paper. I'm like, by the way, that was the first time I said a gromic. He's like, I figured when you were walking it like an idiot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the funny thing is especially when you're learning how you think you're getting something over on your instructor, your teacher, and especially in a sport like skydiving. And as an instructor, you know, you're like, oh, look at this fucking guy.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they know,
0: but you think you got something over on them, and then a couple of years later, you look back and go, "Oh Jesus God!" I was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was a moron. And that still happens all the time to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so I got like I got my ticket right. We both got our tickets, and my uh, my seal was "Sex to You, Baby." He's uh, "Sex to Você," and uh, so we went back to 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 College Station, and. The, we were trying to reopen, like, to do a boogie called uh, Aggies Over Texas mm. uh, in in memory for for the guys, sure. you know, that died on that on that bad plane crash and that was the first time i met anybody from the manufacturers uh his name was egon Sussman. i don't know if you ever met egon i
0: met egon in multiple states of uh yeah yeah multiple levels egon. of consciousness a number of times egon yeah egon yes. was fucking awesome i stood next to egon when um uh, two guys did the uh, uh very very low cutaways on the first um production version of the skyhook at cross keys
1: that was in cross keys yeah it yeah. was in cross keys and
0: egon was standing right next to me screaming cut away cut away cut away fuck don't cut away don't cut away because they got too goddamn low so yeah i know Egon. got yep. he was a great guy he was a so, great guy so so, Igor
1: shows like Igor was coming. I got my tandem rating literally the weekend before the event is happening. Right. And um, so we had at, at Scatavagiland, we had a rule don't sleep with the students. <laughs> that was the rule, don't sleep with the students. And I'm like, okay, no problem. So Igor shows up to the job. So he's looking around. He introduced me. I'm like, hey, man, I'm a brand new tandem instructor. I heard that you have a lot of experience. If there's anything you can do to teach me, please teach me. And I was doing video at the same time. Mm. So he's like, you film me all weekend. I want to make you a good tandem instructor. I'm like, sweet. So basically, I'm seeing how he talks to the student, how he handles the student. So basically, I I got a very good tandem course from Todd. And then I got an amazing crash course from Egon awesome. to how to do uh, manufacturing tandems, sure. you know? So he took me from being wet behind the ears to experience, <laughs> like, in a day. Nice. So, you know, like, I follow him the next, like, the, that was on the on Friday. I, I'm following him, filming him. And then they're like, okay, Pablo, you're on tandems today. And I'm like, sweet. So I do my first tandem. There's this beautiful girl that walks into the drop zone. And I'm like, man, I would love to take her on a tandem. Sure. You know, and then I keep going. And then on my fourth tandem, this beautiful girl, she's my student. <laughs> and she actually, I'm grateful for her because she changed my life. And uh, so, you know, I introduced her, I do, and Egon comes to me. He's like, be a gentleman. That's the only thing he said. And I was like, thanks, Egon. So he's like, it's my first day as a tandem instructor. I've been doing this, but I have the best coach in the world. And I pointed him. And she's like, that's so cute. And I'm like, cool. So I put her on the harness. Everything is good. We were jumping out of a casa. So I stand her up. And at the moment I stand her up, she really pushes against me. Hmm. And I'm like, that's weird. Oh whatever. She may be scared, right? So I'm I'm looking at it from the innocent point of view. Sure. I realise that later, right? So I, I get to her nice and tight, everything is good and like people are jumping and we walk we walk just backwards, we fall out, you know, set the drug, touch my handles touch her shoulders, and I'm like, so nice. I do some spins, 5,500 feet. I open the parachute, and canopy snivels, and she shakes a little bit, and I go like, hmm, interesting, I heard about this, but I don't know exactly what it is yet. (laughs) And her, without skipping a beat, she's like, tonight, I'm raping you. And I'm like, (laughs) what? She's like, tonight, I'm raping you. And I'm like, okay, I'm working today. So I cannot leave the drop zone until we're done with the boogie. Right. I'm like, And she's like, okay, no problem. So for landing, you need to do this. I'm like freaking out now because she's distracting me, right? Sure. So I need to get back into it. We land. And she turns around, gives me a hug, gives me a kiss. And I'm like, what just happened here? Right. You know? And Egon comes. He's like, good job, buddy. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, <laughs> I know what's happening because it has happened to me before. Sure. Right? And I'm like, okay, sure. Sure.
0: Well, it's funny. That... So I'm
1: working the event. Go ahead, go ahead. So I'm working the event. Everything finishes, right? And she's still waiting for me. Hmm. She puts me on her car. She drives me to my house. I show up next morning to the Dobson.
2: <laughs>
1: we are doing something, try to be hidden away because we're not supposed to sleep with you Sure. And then Todd is like, did you fuck her last night? I'm like, No. I didn't. She raped me. <laughs> she's like, but you know the rule. And I go, dude, I had no choice. Right. She told me from the canopy open. She waited. I I didn't instigate this at all. It was not me being suave. You know, I I kept my distance.
0: Man, it's customer like, she's service. Like, well,
1: you're, you know, I'm like, she's like, you're grounded for 30 days. No and shit. And I'm like, dude. Yeah, he grounded me for 30 days because he had the rule, right? So he couldn't let anybody... The the rule, and I'm like, Todd, why are you grounding me, man? Like, I helped you build the drop zone from zero, you know? He's like, please, you know, it's like, you're grounded. I'm like, you know what, Todd? Skydive Houston has been begging me to go back for over a year now. I'm going to go back if you ground me. He's like, do whatever you need to do. And I'm like, okay. So I packed all my stuff, and Egon shows off at the drop zone, like, you know, Egon hungover. But actually, he never was hungover, the motherfucker. I never understood that. So he showed up to the drops, like, what happened? I'm like, well, I'm suspended for 30 days. He's like, who's doing all the rigging here at the drops? And I'm like, I'm doing all the rigging. He's like, would you like to move to Florida? (laughs) I'm like, for what? To be one of the riggers at UPT, at Relative Workshop back then. And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, there's my card. Call me on Tuesday. So I had this conversation with Egon. Sure. Thanks to this wonderful, tall, blonde, super hot girl. Yep. That I would like literally like, I'm still had dreams of her sure. sometimes, Sure. you know, like I just got grounded for 30 days. I'm going back to the other drop zone and he just offered me a job and I'm like, what is going on? Like it was transformation. Like I would just, I absorbed it. I'm like, okay.
0: That's a so amazing, I started <laughs> calling
1: Egon. I called Egon every Tuesday from September all the way to January when he's like, stop calling me. You have a job. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> So, yeah, that's basically what happened, you know, like that's how I ended up uh, be actually focusing more on rigging. So I started working here in the land uh, in it was February 14th, uh, St. Valentine's Day. Uh, 2004.
0: Wow. You know, it's kind of funny that uh, you went into the whole thing being a little bit more on the innocent side uh, and, and trying to be all professional uh, uh, with the female tandem students. And I, by the time I became a tandem instructor, I'd been a working fucking stripper for a long time. So I auto, <laughs> I automatically thought the worst. I'm like, all right, here we go. And, and uh, when that stuff didn't happen, I'm like, oh, bummer. But uh, I remember working at uh, uh, Skydance in Davis, California. And I, I had gotten the job out there and uh, was brand new. I think I'd probably only worked there for about a week when they had uh, the big season beginning staff meeting. And so everybody's in the training room for the staff meeting. <laughs> And uh, the owner, Ray Farrell, and, and uh, his uh, manager, Neil, are both given the the meeting and talking about all the rules and this and that and the other thing. And mind you, I'm the new guy. Nobody fucking knows me here. Um, you know, i have basically just shaking a few hands and everything. And so they're going down the rules, and I think it was rule number four or rule number five was no dating the students. And I hold up my hand... <laughs> And uh, um, Ray looks at me and he's all, yeah, I don't even think he remembered my name. I was still so new. He's all, yeah, and I'm all, is fucking him dating? (laughs) Because I couldn't help myself. I'm like, what? And... (laughs) Everybody but him is laughing and I'm like, What? It's just customer service, come on. But
1: and Well you but you come from that industry yeah, of customers Yeah, service. well
0: I also am just foul mouthed and I have no filters. The funniest part of that story though is is that year for the big Christmas party um, we're all sitting around. Everybody's done their secret Santa gifts and everything, and everybody's pretty fucking drunk. And and uh, somebody starts talking about rule number four or five, and does everybody know what it is? And somebody says, yeah, you're not supposed to date the students. And, and then somebody else says, all right, who's broken the rule? And every motherfucker in that place holds up their hand. So that was the running joke is, yeah, there's a rule you're not supposed to do it, but we all have. Like two of the people in the party had met their future husbands or wives uh, that really? way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was a oh running—it was a running joke that that rule was just a bunch of bullshit.
2: <laughs>
0: oh
1: my god, yeah. dude! I—I I only slept with one student. Oh, that's no, it. Yeah. That was Andy.
0: No, no, not me.
1: That's it. I still do it. Like, seriously, I still have her phone number on my logbook, but the phone doesn't work. I tried to call (laughs) her. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. Well, I kind of hit some of the big, big party drop zones uh, for a little while, and I worked at Skydive Cross Keys when it was the party drop zone, and it was the most incestuous damn drop zone I've ever worked at, and it was just, it was like, um, it was like a nine-month spring break. It was just insane. So. Just insane. So I have a question. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do the stories are uh, making it more than it is or less than it is? Because I heard so many stories about About that Cross thing.
0: Keys. Oh, dude, yeah. I don't think – you couldn't tell it. Are they
1: downplaying it or are playing it on the
0: stories? No, no. If anything, they're downplaying it. I can't uh, – really? I cannot imagine uh, a, a story that would be so outrageous that I wouldn't believe it happened at Cross Keys when I was there. Uh It was 2004 to basically 2006 that I was there, and uh, there were half a dozen deaths, a couple of births, a couple of uh, marriages, a whole lot of breakups, and more fucking and drugs than I have ever seen anywhere before or since. Really? It was insane. And you were... And you were a stripper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, that was the fucking, that was the funny thing is when I I quit that old profession and became a skydiver and then I eventually left Las Vegas, the only reason I ended up in Skydive Cross Keys was because at the time, it was by far the busiest drop zone in the U.S., if not the world. If you were going to make money as a skydiver, that was the place to go. And somehow I managed to get a job there. So it was the responsible choice to literally sell my house and uproot myself from Las Vegas because I didn't want to be there anymore and go take this job at this super busy drop zone where this new chosen profession that I was in would would be the best and cut to, I think, four weeks or five weeks to the day that I arrived in Cross Keys at about two o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting in the pee pit, staring back at a hangar with a massive party going on under the influence of, shall we say, a lot of chemical entertainment. Yeah, thinking, fuck me, this was the responsible choice. Now, mind you, when I moved to Cross Keys, I didn't drink alcohol at all. I didn't party at all. I lived 11 years in Las Vegas without ever taking a single drink. I didn't party. No. Oh, yeah. How did you do that? I just wasn't a drinker. Especially in Vegas. Yeah, but before I moved to Vegas, I used to promote raves in San Francisco. So you can imagine I got the whole party thing out of my system way back when. Yeah. So I hit cross keys basically thinking, all right, I'm going to be Mr. High and Tight and just go bang out these jumps and and do the work and go, my God, that's just not what happened. (laughs)
1: You ended up having a very good, good time. Yeah, man.
0: Well, and if I have zero regrets. I have a lot of really fuzzy memories, but I have zero regrets from any of that time, and I got to meet amazing people like Egon. Like, that's when I met Cola from Blue Skies Magazine. The only reason that I've been writing yeah. for Blue Skies Magazine for 10 years is because I met her and Egon at the same time because he was the relative workshop rep, and she was the PD rep, and they were out on tour, Yeah, you know? So, oh my God. yeah, so I got to meet these amazing people and in this most bizarre place. and in the middle of fucking Jersey of all places
1: <laughs> that cross trees, right? Across, yeah. yeah, man that's Cross trees, man. That's what everybody said. You have a cutaway. You lost your shirt. Oh, yeah. No, it's
0: gone. Well, there, there was a, a guy there that made a substantial living just doing nothing but finding cutaway parachutes in trees. And he was amazing at doing it. You just give him a rough idea really? where it was. Oh, yeah. And a day or two later, you'd have your parachute back, but you'd pay for it. He was fucking good oh, wow. at it. He was exactly what you'd think, too. He, he had half a dozen teeth missing, and, and uh, uh, he always wore the same color plaid shirt and, and a fucked up baseball cap and stuff, but he was a sweetheart of a guy, and man, that motherfucker could find a parachute.
1: It, it's amazing sometimes how those people, they actually are like the, the, the most close to, what's the word that I'm looking for? Oh, the salt
0: of they're the earth. They're more close man. to source. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're like, They are like, you're like, you look at them and they're content. Yeah. Just going in the middle of the woods to find a parachute to make you happy. So, I mean... Cross, they'll charge you, but hey, man.
0: Well, you know, Cross Keys was the first place that I ever really dove deep into the community of skydiving because I started in Las Vegas and and I met amazing people at the drop zones in Vegas. But there was no bonfire, there was no after party, there wasn't that that super tight sense of community. There were a bunch of really good friends, but you'd see them on the weekends at jumps and maybe you'd go out, uh, you know, to a bar or something. Uh, But there was no bonfire, there was no crazy parties on the drop zone. And so you get to Cross Keys where you're literally. Literally living in a trailer that's 100 meters away from your landing area that you never leave and you're there seven (laughs) days a week for nine fucking months with the same people. It was funny because we had Irishmen and we had uh, Brits and we had uh, Aussies and Kiwis and Americans and so all these different people. And uh, I remember going back to California after the first uh, full season that I spent in Cross Keys and I had people asking me where I was from because they couldn't place my accent. And I'm like, really? What, uh, what do you mean? I'm from fucking Northern California. And they're like, you don't sound like it. And it was funny because everybody picked up a slight accent from all the different people. Mind you, let me public service announcement um, men from California should never say the word mate ever.
2: <laughs> That's for fucking Aussies
0: and Brits and Kiwis. American white guys should not say nah. fucking mate. Um, they just shouldn't nope. be done. Um, but it was nope. it was hilarious and it was because you were just packed together all the time and you work with these people and you partied with these people and you argued with these people and you fucked with these people and did all these amazing things with the same group of people and you walk away from it all going, Holy shit, man, it was yeah, it was anything and everything you've ever heard about those those years in cross keys, it was that and more, for sure. Oh my god,
1: yeah. man. Like to be honest with you, uh I just Every single time I hear a story, I be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you guys are making that shit up." Oh or... man! So if, if if you're saying that, I'm I'm like, "Whoa, dude, <laughs> you guys were me
0: and my friends." To the wall. <laughs> like right now, at this very moment, I'm holding. I had them in my studio, and I'm I'm now holding two trophies from to the 2004 Cross Keys Film Festival. Uh, one of them is yeah. best comedy drama, and the other one is best documentary. Uh, Myself and my five partners won both of these awards for shooting a video of me walking around with Diego, my Jack Russell Terrier, all around Williamstown, New Jersey, in drag. (laughs) We we had no idea what we were going to do. There was no plan. Somehow, I just ended up in fishnet stockings, black hot pants, a halter top, and slick back hair. with my jack russell with a purple mohawk like going into starbucks and shit and we won
2: <laughs> oh, my, oh yeah. my fucking god man. yeah man
0: and that was that was like cons- that wasn't anything we we actually filmed it on the fucking day of the film festival and then won the goddamn thing and I remember sitting there as they're playing this thing, and Cross Keys, the hangar is packed. There's 300, at least 300 people, maybe even 400 people in the hangar watching this. And here I am, filled with pride as they're watching me marching around, you know, Williamstown, New Jersey, in fucking fishnets. That was Cross Keys, man. That, was, that, that sums up Cross Keys for me. <laughs>
1: you that that actually that's you every time anybody asks you about cross case you should explain them that. yeah that's if it that's it i can
0: <laughs> i still have the video man <laughs> i still have the video it's fucking hilarious it finished off with oh, a right. with a, a good friend whose name i'll leave out of it um but we we because of this video we nicknamed him Gollum, um because he did an amazing Gollum impression uh and every time the poor guy would do lsd he would have a really bad trip and uh, um, oh, oh yeah, and so he made a cameo uh, in the end of this video as Gollum in his underwear wrapped around a, a telephone pole, um, <laughs>
1: which <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude, you need to post that video. Oh, you need to post oh, that video for prosperity. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna need to get a little bit older before I do that. I still have okay. I still have a modicum of pride, not a lot, not a lot. I've given away dude. most of my pride, but. <laughs> the-
1: I have an important question. Yeah. All the things that you've done in the past made you the person that you are, yeah, right? Yeah, oh yeah. What would you be ashamed of?
0: Oh, no, no. It's not even ashamed. <laughs> there's, there's no shame. It's just a lack of desire to explain. Uh That's, okay. that's actually, that that's the th- kind of the thing that I've discovered is as I get older, I'm not ashamed of anything. I'm just too tired to explain why.
1: <laughs> yeah, just because, man. Yeah. That's what you just said. Yeah. This is just... Because yeah, yeah. any problems, well, go and talk to who gives a yeah, fuck if well, Have a wonderful day, yeah. buddy. <laughs> well, you know, the, the,
0: the, the greatest part, it turns out, about having one of the most unfortunate names, nicknames I could have ever imagined is that I have to explain nothing. I've been nicknamed Princess for 25 fucking years. but it... I know. I really love your pink handles, yeah, buddy. man. I know. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Please, please tell this story. Please tell the story. You and I were working together.
1: (laughs) So after whatever, so UPT many years, I went to California. Then I went back to UPT for many years. And then I met a girl in Czech Republic. Life was good, amazing. We moved to Spain. Spain, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, The more I forget about it, the better. And then I find myself helping this guy, Ernesto, build a tertiary rig so he can break the world record. Great. And uh, that was actually, that was a cool project. And and the best part of it, it's uh, I was working in, in 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 a drop zone in Spain where the, the master rigger in that drop zone almost made me quit because he was just a piece of shit.
2: Ooh.
1: And it happens. you know, like literally you know, he was just so pushing down on people to make himself lift up uh... that like it was just super sad for me. Like I almost quit the sport, like I was almost done. And uh, a series of events happen, and a very good friend of mine, uh, Brad Koch, he goes, Pablo, I need you. You're the only person that can build this. Hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? We are Skyping you tomorrow morning. It's going to be at this time. Be awake. And I'm like, dude, that is 4 o'clock in the morning. He's like, okay, we move it like two more hours. <laughs> so I get the Skype call, and uh, it's Ernesto that is the first time I'm meeting him. I knew of him. You know, and they're like, we are trying to break the world record with landing the smallest parachute. We need a tertiary rig that it needs to be deployed this way, that way, that way. And I'm like, I can do that. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's easy to do, man. Don't worry about it. I can build it for you. He's like, okay, uh, we're flying you here in two days. Hmm. And I'm like, dude, what? It's like, you're coming here in two days. Uh, What is your full name? Passport, copies, everything. Um, uh, They're like doing the project and it's funny cuz I prefer to work at night. Uh, the reason that I prefer to work at night cuz people aren't bothering me so I can actually focus 100% on what I need to do. And there's no distractions and I can keep my train of thought and like it's better for me like to actually accomplish things. I, I can do more in 1 hour at night than in 3 hours during the sure. day. So I'm at the loft talking shit, you know, like talking to Ernesto trying to figure out exactly what he wanted like I'm like trying to brainstorm like with myself how to make the project and then I'm like, hey, Brad, is it okay if I stay working tonight, working on the project? You know, it's like in that way I'm not in, in your guys' way. I don't get distracted much, you know, and if you need me to do any other projects, I can do them during the day because it's much easier, you know, like easier things. Sure. And at night, I can do this. He's like, yeah, no problem. There's the keys. Uh, if you need a taxi, call a taxi. There's some money. Buy. And I'm like, okay. So... My first night, it was just pretty much by myself at the, at the Riggers Loft, right there where it used to be the old cafeteria. Sure. So I built this whole thing, you know, whatever. And um, they come next morning. I'm like, um, Ernesto, try it. And he's like, you're done? And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> he's like, no, that's impossible. I'm like, there's your parachute is packed. Try it. He's like, fuck me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you said you needed this. At night, nobody's disturbing me. I went to bed like at, you know, like two o'clock in the morning. Sure. It's done. He's like, sweet. So he tries it on. We're good. Everything, you know, and Alan goes, I want you. <laughs> what do I need to do for you to come and work for me? Sure. And I'm like, well, Alan, um, you need to talk to my girlfriend because I left UPT, a very good place, you know, running the rigging law for them for like almost 10 years sure. because of a girl. And, you know, if I leave her, uh, it will not be the right thing to do. I will always regret it. So if you can get her to work for you then I come and uh, you know, so I go back to, to Spain, I'm talking to Sharka and she never got to see the way that I was treated in uh, in that place where I was working,
2: mm.
1: you know? Uh, so one day she actually, as one of the people that that drops and they are talking to me very bad. She she happens to just be coming around the corner and she just stood up and heard the way they were treating me. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know this. And I'm like, you know, Things happen, whatever, life is good, we're gonna move on, sure. you know? you know. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I'm here for you. If you're happy here, I want you to be here, you know? Like, I already made a big move. I can, I can figure something else. I don't have to do skydiving for the rest of my life. You know, I was getting to that point that I was like, okay, to let it go, you sure. know? Yo, Alan, uh, how about this, this, and this? And he's like, well, how about this, then, this, this? I'm like, no, I want this, this, and this. And then also you have somebody amazing for manifest. And he's like, okay, done. Nice. And then a few years later, you showed up there. Started, actually, no, a few months later, I think you started flying for us. Or you were already flying for us. I don't remember. Yeah. And uh, then you give me, <laughs> you get a javelin. And, yeah, uh, I bought Julian's you know, old javelin
0: yeah, that he used on a- uh, The white one. Yeah, the, a solid white rig that he used on a Google television commercial.
1: Yeah, and then you're like, "I need handles." And I'm like, "What color do you want them?" It's like, "I don't care, neon pink." And I'm like, "Okay."
0: Because, because uh, I'm an idiot. So yeah, I hand, I hand an all-white javelin, sparkling white, with maybe I want to say it had maybe a hundred jumps on it. So it isn't white; it is fucking transparent. It's white, and I hand this so- to you. Not thinking I just gave my brand new all-white rig to a rigger with a fucking sense of humor and said, yeah, put whatever color handles you want on this rig.
1: And of course, I ordered you neon pink
0: handles. Not even just fucking pink. Neon motherfucking pink. Like, so pink that my rig literally looked like a five-year-old girl's birthday cake. It was... Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. It looked like neon pink that you would put on a white fucking little kid's birthday cake, and yes. I, I remember you handed it to me, and and my first thought was, "Well, you fucking idiot, you get exactly what you deserve." And I think I gave you a big hug and went, "Good for you." <laughs>
1: Like Yeah, but the the best part of it, you wore it like a king. Yeah, like, right, you, man. Fuck that. You man. wore it with so much pride and people would say something, you'd be like, What? Yeah, no, no,
0: I'd fucking <laughs> I'm a princess Yeah, I'd curtsy and say hello, Princess. That's been the the nickname princess has been the biggest out for macho bullshit for so many years. Dude, what are you gonna be a pussy? And I'd just curtsy and go, Princess, hello i have nothing to fucking prove so man that's awesome yeah, dude. man fuck it you know i mean come on well it was kind of funny i was actually talking to a, a pilot uh that i had been training not all that long ago and and i've got a bit of a fucked up sense of humor too so i'm always playing little pranks and and just being juvenile and doing bullshit and uh, i could tell he was getting a little bit annoyed i think i stole one of his shoes he left one of his shoes sitting under the pilot seat And it was a Birkenstock sandal. And so I took the sandal apart as much as you could. And I took masking tape and masking taped the entire thing together, sent it to manifest and then had manifest send it to the plane with the next load sheet. Um, So he finally, he gets his shoe and it's just covered in, in, in tape and shit. You're horrible. Yeah. That's beautiful. You could tell he was kind of amused and a little bit frustrated. And I'm like, you know, when you've got to worry. And he's like, when's that? I'm like, when we stop fucking with you, that's when you got to worry. Yeah. I'm like, because if, if I don't like you, if I don't care about you, all you're going to get is the very professional, very cold, very calm Dean. But if princess yep. is around, that means I like you. And if yep. it's the same the other way around, if people aren't fucking with me, then oops. If people are actually being professional towards me, my first thought is, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? I <laughs> said, that's true. That's yeah. Good who did I like, Who did I it's... piss off that someone showing me like legitimate professional respect? Something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a big difference between just respecting someone and showing them that very cold level of respect. Fuck that! No, 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 no. I'd much rather be called princess and have someone fucking with me because then I know I'm probably doing a good job, and they care about me. So that that's a lot more important to me for sure. Four, sure. yeah
1: that's it I mean it's it's funny because like to be honest with you it's like sometimes people like especially I don't know i I don't know if it's that I'm seeing a different with age or as I'm growing but it's important to keep that that child running sure. you know uh, if if we start losing that child we are losing what life is about sure. life is we are here to explore to learn new things you know not to be the sure guy anymore because the sure guy he never gets it right and if he does it's because he got lucky of course you know, and playing jokes is the most childish, innocent. Sure. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to see if I can get you amusement so we can all laugh and have a good time and relax. If we are actually worrying about making each other laugh and making each other wow oh, yeah. over anything else, that means that we're doing amazing. Oh, oh yeah. No, I mean,
0: as soon as you handed me that fucking, the rig with the pink goddamn handles, <laughs> as soon as I handed that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this guy loves me. That's all. And I, That's why. Well, you,
1: he... you asked for yeah, it. Yeah, of course. You asked for it. What colors do you want? You're like, I don't know. And you're pink. Yeah, yeah pink. Or you're yeah, pink. whatever.
0: And, and any other rigger would have just put white or black no, yeah, no, you get neon pink, my friend. Neon Showed. fucking pink. Well, you know, it was it was kind of funny too. And you and I are very similar in that mentality too. Is is uh, I enjoy the fact that I'm still a big kid, but I'm professional at what I do. And when it's time to get real, and it's time to do it the right way, I'm absolutely your guy. But as soon as the pressure's off, I'm also going to be the first one to fuck with you. And have fun. Of course. But But, what that allows you to do is it also allows you to keep a very open mind and be passionate, but also be able to change your mind. I mean, you and I, uh, we didn't actually have a falling out. We actually had a misunderstanding somewhere along the lines. And I forget what it was about. And it went unspoken for a very brief period of time. And literally after just a couple of minutes of open conversation, both you and I went, oh, Oh shit! Sorry about that, bro. Big hug and all. It was just right back to where it should be, I, you know. And I'm sure you remember. And it was a wonderful experience. I, you know, I don't. Re- Actually, I
1: don't remember being upset with you. Like it's at the moment we fixed that, it, it was done. Oh yeah. Oh, why, but that's why should, I, why should
0: I keep that? That's the best part about that, it. That
1: grudge, you know, it's pointless. Yeah,
0: that's the best part about it is yeah. you literally just go. Oh wait, no, no. Okay, this is all better and move on. And it's fantastic. But part of that is keeping that that childlike ability to still have fun because kids don't hold grudges kids get mad no, and you 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 punch somebody in the shoulder and you roll around in the mud and five minutes later you're best friends again because they're just they're kids and that's the that's rugby the, that's the genius that they have right
1: <laughs> yeah but that's 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 the beautiful thing from rugby. remember when when we when we started I. Like playing rugby makes you be very – I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to run you over. At the end, it's like, hey, are you okay? Let's go drink a beer, man. Like it's good. Absolutely. You know, pat on the back. You're feeling good. Okay, next time when I'm coming this way – Move this way, so sure. then I don't hurt you as much. Sure, well, that's the
0: big thing too. Is you I know? mean, uh, especially as skydivers, or I suppose any sub- extreme sports enthusiasts, most of us are pretty hardcore alphas. Um, but there's a there's a. It's very important to be that alpha that's still flexible enough to be able to just go. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite look at it that way or being that alpha that's still open to learning and open to see, you know, new ways of doing things and not holding a fucking grudge. And that's one of the best things that I've seen for the most part in skydiving. Not not always, but for the most part. Yeah. You know, skydiving is no exception. Yeah. It's got its its bad apples, and and uh, it's definitely got its fair share of assholes. And God knows, I've been <laughs> I've been that guy from time to time. Uh, I've, I jokingly like to say I'm the nicest asshole you'll ever meet, um, because <laughs> I can go both ways for sure. Uh, but uh, hopefully, anytime someone is that way in our sport, it's always from a place of concern, uh, and it's from a, a good heart. You know, I don't know I don't know too you many actually... evil people in the sport.
2: You,
1: you actually took the words out of my mouth because uh, it's literally like I remember a case. It was a friend wanting to downsize. And I was like, no, you're not fucking downsizing. And, you know, it's like, well, well, why am I not downsizing? I'm like, it's not your skills. It's your attitude towards the downsizing. Sure. So I'm going to I'm going to be the asshole. And I'm not going to let you do it. You know, and then it ended up the downsizing ended up happening, you know, bad landing, collapse, lung and something else. You know and it was like remember i told you it was you know that problem and uh you know and it was like but 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 dude you know it's like right. i told you it's because we care we i've seen too many deaths on this sport i've seen i've seen too many injuries that they were unnecessary because somebody was trying to show how big their ego is you know like i can do it and we are putting like, especially when we are like in the instructor part of it, we are putting people at risk that those people do not understand what we're doing. You know, we do because we do it every day and we've seen it. I talk to most people in the sport and it's really rare that you meet somebody that hasn't met somebody that has broken something or has died or, you know, like it, it, skydiving has given me a different perspective into, into life and death that, I'm grateful to be alive. Sure. And I'm grateful for every moment. Sure. We, but if
0: one of my, one of my, talking to a friend, one of my previous guests put it a ahead. great way too. Uh, you know, he, he said that uh, uh, skydiving is absolutely an extremely dangerous sport that we've figured out how to make relatively safe. Um, that being said, oh, yeah. uh, it takes very little to cross from safe to dead. Um, you know, so, yeah. and it, it takes experience to learn how to keep yourself safe, you know, and how to, to keep other people safe. And when you take on the responsibility of a, a tandem instructor or an AFF instructor or especially a rigger on a much broader scale, you take that extremely seriously and you need to. But that's also one of the reasons that uh, skydivers or climbers or surfers and all that have the ability to have so much fun and put so much passion into other parts of their lives, maybe not be so dangerous because we realize how fleeting and how fragile it all is. You know, I mean, if you're in the sky, if you're in this sport for any length of time, it's not a matter of if you know someone that's gone, you, you will. And if you don't know someone directly, you know half a dozen people that have said goodbye to someone in the last few years, you know? Uh, and it's not so much, mainstream skydiving anymore. Um, You know, when you and I were coming up, especially when I was coming up and canopies like the stiletto were coming out, people were hooking themselves in left, right, and center. Well, it's not so much the average skydiver that goes out and get himself killed anymore. It's the elite athletes in our sport that are pushing the envelope further and further and further that we're saying goodbye to. And as you're in the sport, as long as you and I have been, those elite athletes were the guys that were in AFF with you, or they were the guys that were coming up as a packer or a camera flyer with you. And so these elite athletes are now your close friends that are pushing those limits, you know, so Yep. you know, but you're right. It does make you value everybody that's here that much more. And it certainly makes you value your own life that much more. You know, I take nothing for granted because I could be dead tomorrow. And chances are, yep. it's going to be driving down the road, not in a plane crash or a, you know, a skydiving accident, but it could be tomorrow. So man, yep. you got to live it to the fullest. Now
1: that's it.
0: It's, please go ahead.
1: It's, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah it's, it's incredible. It's like, You know, like there's some people that they're always looking for death, but death will come when she's ready for you. You know, so when she comes, I will say, hi, how you doing? There's a hug. Uh, Don't make me suffer. You know, that's the only thing. But I'm not going to be running away from her because she's going to find me either way and it's going to make it even worse. But I'm not looking for her. I want death to be where she's at. Whenever she's ready for me, she will become for sure. me, and I know that's gonna happen because I have no control over her. Well, you know,
0: and I think it's also so the, the people like you and I that do these kind of things um, and and live these these lifestyles that a, a lot of so-called um, normal, non-extreme people can't quite understand. Is it they, they think we're either um, adrenaline junkies or we're we're uh, uh, just you know chasing some you know almost attempted suicide or that we're not scared of death, and none of that is true. You know, sh- uh, I, don't I don't want know. to die. I'm I'm scared. That's no. one of the reasons that our sport is so focused on safety, because I have no desire. I, obviously, I'm going to walk down that road. Every one of us does. I intend to be a very old, broken down man with great memories when that happens, if I have anything to one, do about it. But I'm not going to one, fear- one of
1: the things. One of the things that it was said on the first bonfire, the Dobson, it was one of those things that I don't remember if it was Ron or if it was John or Kay or other people that they were there, Jay, and I don't remember who it was, but they said, uh, one of the things you have to understand, Pablo, there's old skydivers and there's bold mm-hmm. skydivers, but there's never the mix of them. No. And it's one of the things that they always stuck with me. And maybe that's why I, I am where I'm at. I've done my share of stupid stuff on the sport. I've sure. tested some things. I almost killed myself. I've done low turns. I hurt the ground. The worst part, the worst, the worst one that I ever had, it was in Hollister, California. I came out of my turn a little bit high, so I did an extra 90, and man, as I'm seeing the ground coming, I'm each much faster than I needed to be coming. Mm. I remember I rolled the canopy, I hit sideways. I'm rolling, getting road rush from my legs. I did 10 tandems after that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: The pain of doing 10 tandems on your legs full of road rush, when you're having people sitting in front of you, jumping out of a smoking air, it was horrible since that day. I'm going to knock on wood right now. Oh, yeah. I've been very cautious of my landings because I don't want to do that same shit again yeah,
0: because man. it was painful. Yeah,
1: man. Shit. I, I, I want to imagine that I learned from it. I I,
0: I, I, when I, hit- I, broke my tailbone on the Velocity 103 because I hadn't been jumping very much because uh, I'd been flying full oh, time. Geez. Oh, yeah. Busted my tailbone because I stayed on the rears too long, stalled the fucking thing out and slammed into the ground, and uh, then had to get back into the Pac-750 and fly for a week straight on a fucking broken tailbone. Oh! You want to talk about it? Did you have a donut? Uh, oh, no, 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 not no, hell no. Just get in the plane and go. Yeah, you want to talk about a lesson learned. And that's also when I realized um, that uh, doctors are human beings too because I got the single stupidest question I've ever been asked in my entire life, which I know is going to make you laugh. I go to the hospital after the broken tailbone And I go into the, into the, the room with the doctor and they've x-rayed my ass and they put me in the room with the doctor and there's a nurse standing there as well. And the doctor, uh, a female doctor straight faced looks me in the eyes. What happened? Oh, I was, I I was, I was skydiving is all I got out. And she gasped and went, did your parachute not open? <laughs> exactly.
1: It would be a different conversation if the bar-
0: Oh, well, there wouldn't, wouldn't be a conversation. conversation. Yeah, and so <laughs> as straight stone-faced as I could possibly manage, I turned to the nurse and smiled and said, "Can I please have another doctor?" <laughs> That good for yeah, you. Yeah, well, good for and then you. she realized what a stupid question she asked. And but yeah, so no, man, uh, skydiving and most extreme sports are sports you would like to try and learn from other people's mistakes as much as humanly possible. Because yep. well, the end result is they're not pleasant. They're not pleasant at all.
1: Well, I'm 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 very 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 happy and very proud uh, of. Of all the where we are today with the sport, mm. but um, the sacrifice from so many people to where we, we oh, are. Yeah. I mean, the death to learn. Like, I, I'm also a tandem examiner, and going, you know, every single course you have to explain what happened on the fatalities on the previous jumps. You know, and it's funny because I just did a cross training uh, last mm. week, and I'm I'm talking to the guy, uh, and and it was the first time that actually I realized why each rule is in place. Like, I knew it, but it never really clicked. So I'm explaining to him as I'm we're reading through all the, the fatalities, the first ones, right? And I'm like, and this is why we do this, and this is why we sure. do this, and this is why we do this, and this is why we do this, and this is why we do this, this is why we never do this. Yeah. And I just started going to them, and I'm like, you know, I should be ashamed of myself for not realizing it before. But right now, everything just went like, whoa. Sure. Like, I imagined the light on top of my head, you know, and everything. And I was like, oh my God. Like, and at that moment, I looked at him and I'm like, we are where we are today. is because of all the sacrifices that oh, they had happened. Yeah, man. You, know? you know,
0: I, I, and, the one of the, uh, the girl that I was dating when I got into skydiving, uh, um, would see the parachutist magazines and it would have the incident reports in the back. And I remember her making a comment along the lines of how horrible it was that uh, people were trying to find entertainment in this. And it was just ghoulish and this and that. And, and, uh, I could never quite explain to her, no, 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 this is, this is how I'm not going to end up on this page, you know? Uh, this is the reason. This isn't yeah. because people are ghouls and we want the gory details of how someone passed. This is so that nobody goes that way. You know, uh, learn from exactly. others' mistakes. This guy paid the ultimate price because he fucked up in this way. Don't do this shit.
1: Exactly, and and that, that's one of the things that I think it's it's we need to help each other to keep the ego down. Yeah. Man. Uh it's 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 incredible how how just sometimes like. One of one of the rules that I have for myself that also is why why am I alive I guess is because like somebody will make a comment right you're coming from the landing area and somebody will be like huh oh, that was a nice landing mm. and you can hear the sarcasm behind it right you're like okay one out of the entire drops and said something right and then another jump and somebody else now goes huh good landing buddy right. you're like wait there's two now. <laughs> at the moment i hear the third person saying something i'm like so what did i do wrong right and people are like what i'm like no no seriously you're at number 3 i don't i don't go to number 4 because number 4 is going to be painful what did i do right. wrong what do you know that i don't know well uh, no 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 you spoke up that means that there's sure. some concern that you're not you don't know how to say it but what did you saw that made you say what you said and they're like well this i'm like cool thank you very much i'll stop doing sure. that now yeah you know but we need to take the step and the step back and when somebody makes a comment, besides being offended, be like, what is he trying to say? Because I could tell you, you know, hey Dean one, two, three, and you'd be like, What does he mean with that because He's like, ah, oh, it's three or four and five, right. you know? It's like taking the step back and and being able to analyze the information because the way we communicate, we're probably both saying the same thing, sure. but different words. That's that's basically most relationship problems we have is we don't know how to communicate with sure. each other.
0: Well, and it's easy so to take things once, the wrong way.
1: Exactly. So the thing is to keep the ego down and say, hey, buddy, calm down. We are having a conversation. What are they trying to tell us that we don't sure. know? And that, I think, is one of the things that we need to work more on the sport to pass that to the new kids because the new generation of skydivers that I've seen, I see now, they are all tunnel rats. They are amazing flyers, but the canopy awareness is horrible. Sure. Sure. You know, so you're trying to approach them and they're like, I'm a great flyer. You're like, yeah, in the sky, buddy, we're talking about the parachute now. You have zero idea. You have 10,000 hours in a little wind tunnel. I'm sure you can do wonderful things inside there. Now get out of the wind tunnel and let's go skydiving. Let's talk about parachute flying. You need to take a course. Sure. You know, it's like the, the important, of course, I was lucky. I took a few courses for canopy, but I was lucky that all the people that I was always surrounded, they were incredible canopy pilots that they were humbling. You know, like the other day I was having dinner with some friends and I I looking around in in the table and I'm like, I'm the only one that is not a world champion or some type of, uh, you know, like prodigy in the skydiving world going like, I am with my heroes. How lucky I am. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, and I tell them that and they're like, no, no, no. We just, we all just skydive, you know? And like that humbleness it's what allows them to be who they of course. are. So I think one of the things that I try to pass and, and I, I try to when I'm teaching tandem courses is, you know, keep your ego down. You know, allow people to to tell you because sometimes they are not meaning what they mean with the words, but try to read the message behind the Absolutely. words. Absolutely. You'll find the asshole that is going to go, go fuck yourself. And you're like, okay. You know, to, to, to let that one pass. Sure. Just don't, don't, don't get upset over it because you're not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. You end up in a fight. But look to the one that is making a smartest comment or it's telling you something very sarcastically, or just plain coming to your face, you need to stop doing that yeah, shit.
0: Absolutely, well, you know. And that's the thing too; is it's it, it is difficult for for the the alpha in all of us to back down long enough to take that criticism. But as you get older in the sport, you realize you know just how important that shit is, and and uh, the ego starts to fade. And that's probably my favorite thing about getting older is the ego really does fade away enough for you to see through the static and and go oh oh okay and it's been you know yeah. it's been a real reality check as, as I've gotten older and I've grown into becoming a fun jumper realizing that at best I'm an average skydiver you know I'm an average canopy pilot I'm an average free flyer I'm not even an average tunnel flyer and I fucking love it because I have fun with it and there's no expectation and it's all just yeah give me more information I'll fucking take it because people have just flown past me because I spent all my years chucking drugs and flying planes you know and so now I just get to be a shitty fun jumper and go out and have fun and the the one thing I can say is I'm an extremely safe skydiver but I'm never going to be standing on top of a podium and there's a huge amount of freedom in that you know so that would be my advice for sure for the young ones that are looking to get up on the podium is take that advice take that criticism find out what you're doing wrong not have people reaffirm what you're doing right Please, that's it, what man, you said it right what there. do I suck at what am I no good at the probably the most important thing I can know about myself is what I shouldn't fucking do <laughs> oh you suck at this don't do wow. it you know like I know I know better than to sing I was once asked by a friend uh, of mine by the name of Joe Herbs to stop singing happy birthday don't <laughs> exactly. And I took exactly, you know, and I took that advice to heart. Dude. I'm like, holy shit! He just asked me to not sing happy fucking birthday. Am I that bad? Okay, all right. I'm gonna take it. That's a, that's a good friend right yeah, there. Man. That is actually an amazing oh, friend. Yeah. Please don't sing happy birthday anymore, Dean. And this is not just a normal happy birthday, but I'm talking the happy birthdays that you sing in the plane to the tandem instructor or to the tandem students. He's like, yeah, you should. Really? Yeah, he's like, you shouldn't do that anymore. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. So hey, oh. it, it, it's 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 an extremely good thing to know what you're not good at. It really <laughs> is. Now, wow. as we start to wrap yes. things up, I wanna I want to know from you, master rigger, longtime Scott ever coming up on twenty years in the sport now. Um, and I don't think you're mm-hmm. going anywhere anytime soon, just like I'm not. You know, I, I'm a lifer in this sport. I think. What advice, all around, would you give to? to the new jumpers that are coming up or the jumpers that have been in it for a long time that are feeling stagnant or somebody that just wants to just know what it's all about. They're never going to jump out of an airplane, but what, what piece of advice that can you give them for our lifestyle? What have you taken away from, from almost 20 years of doing this kind of stuff?
1: Well, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to sum everything with just a little phrase. Mm. Um, you know, uh, from the rigging side, remember, anybody can make a mistake. Mm. Be humble, you know? Like, I, I found mista- rigging mistakes. and I've made rigging mistakes. And if you meet a rigger that never made a mistake, they're lying to you. Uh, or they're brand new. <laughs> it just...
2: <laughs>
1: pretty much. But anybody can make a mistake uh, and own your mistakes. Sure. Uh, that's all the, the most important. If you make a mistake, don't make an excuse. Uh, be a good human being. Own the mistake and... You know, like we know how to make an apology, but we don't really know how to make a true apology. Sure. You know, it's like, what did I do wrong? At the end, it's like, I will never do that sure. again. You know, so own, own your mistakes and, and buy yourself to, to make a mechanism so you will not make that mistake. Because mm. if you make the same mistake twice, you need to take a step back and reconsider what you're doing, sure. you know? Sure, um, Another thing is for, the, for jumpers, uh, you know, smile. Uh, one of the, the my, my my most one, more wonderful things, like I, I'm also a active time instructor and, you know, like you get the students, they are all excited. And then when you're it's the walk to the plane, normally when you actually see it happening, that they go from like Wee! to Shit, yep. here I go, yep. you know, and I always ask them this question. What is the most important thing? And they look at you and they're like arch and, you know, and arms here and arms there. Don't grab here, grab there. And they tell you everything that you train them. And I'm like, no, have fun. You already know all that stuff. Why are you worried about it? You know, smile. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Or you're in the plane and you see an AFF student that they are completely tense. And you you see the instructors doing the work. And it's one of the things that took me a while to learn actually how to do this to the students, like to make them work. But then when they are done with the work part, like now it's like they just close to the red light, like they just minute before jumping. Mm -hmm. You know, I look, always look at them and I just smile. Yep. It's incredible. The difference on the students that I've had that I make them smile. Oh yeah. Jumping out of the plane to the ones that they oh, don't, the ones that they don't, they suck. Oh, it's night and day. Cause they are super mission one. I need to do this. And then they are just so focused on doing that that they forgot what oh, they are yeah. doing, what they are yeah, doing. Yeah,
0: night and day, man. I used to tell my tandem students that were really, really nervous. They'd be the exact same way as the ones you described. Oh, I need to arch and I'm, I'm holding my harness here and my head's got to go back and you can watch them kind of practice in the exit <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff. <laughs> and I'd always tell them the same thing. I'm like, all right, so you know what's going to happen if you fuck everything up and you do everything wrong? What? What's What's going to happen? I'm going to have to earn the money that you're about to give me and you're still going to have an amazing time. <laughs> I'm like, that's the only difference. So you can, st- oh, man, that's a yeah, good one. you can stress and you can freak out about all of this stuff, or you can realize that we're going to be just fine. It's just that if you don't quite do everything right, it just means I work harder. You're still, your, your whole job is to have fun, smile, have a good time, scream, yell, do whatever you want to do. I'm there to make sure it all goes perfect and don't worry it's noon and I have dinner plans.
1: <laughs> That's also awesome. I like, I do that. I heard that from glass. I'm like, I have dinner plans. Normally, what I tell them, you know, I'm like, they're all worried about it. And I'm like, you know, whatever happens to you, the spirit of a second later happens to me. So trust yeah. me, we have a good interest. I love my life. And they look at me. I'm like, trust oh, me, yeah. I have a wonderful oh, life. Yeah. I get to wake up. In a place where I'm comfortable, I have good friends, people that love me, and people that I love. I I enjoy my life a lot. And when you make a comment like that, the students go like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. So this is not something because you're crazy. No. I love skydiving because I love the feelings that it brings. Yeah, it,
0: it, you it's know? not life-risking. It's life-affirming for sure.
1: Exactly. I'm wonderful for 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 my life, you know. I'm wonderful for for everything that has happened. I had horrible things happen to me and I'm super grateful for them because they made me they made me the person that I am sure. today. And you know, another thing also like to to tell them don't be afraid to make mistakes.
0: Mm. You know,
1: don't be afraid to make mistakes because you cannot never learn you cannot learn something new without making a mistake. Absolutely.
0: Well, that's the old skydiving you know, saying that uh, as soon as you know it all, you better quit because you're you're that far from dead. You're always learning, yeah, always it, be learning, and learning. You know, learning is being willing to make mistakes.
1: Exactly, and 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 seriously, there's more than one. Like we have this horrible saying, like that. Probably people wanted to skin a potato now because of, you know. But there's more than one way to skin a cat, sure. you know. Uh, so we all do things just a little bit different, and just let somebody show you a different way you may learn something sure. new just take 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 a step and just listen to what they're oh, saying yeah. don't wait for your turn to talk you know l- listen and understand what they're saying oh, yeah. one 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 of the things that i like from japanese culture is you know everybody's done, like when one person talking is done talking you take a deep breath you analyze what they've said and then the next person speaks sure. you know i have a good friend that he's a very good businessman because that's what he does he always waits to speak last.
0: Yeah, because he so gets to take in he's, the perspective from everybody else.
1: So when he attacks, he attacks like a freaking ninja, cuts everybody up, and everybody's like, "What just happened right? here?" And he's like, "You gave me all the ideas. Yeah, smart man. I just put them all smart together man. for you guys." Well,
0: people, people get uh, they get themselves in the impression that everything's got to be perfect. And I uh, it reminds me of a, a pilot that I was training. He was a very talented pilot, but he was learning a new aircraft, and and it was. Uh, Uh, um, it's busy when you're learning a new airplane and and, uh, he and I did a lot of flying together and he was beating himself up pretty bad because he was actually getting a lot better at flying the plane so I was pointing out a lot more little mistakes that he was making and he admitted to me that he was (laughs) really getting down on himself because I was showing him all these different things that he was doing wrong and I thought about it and I went "All right, hey after the fuel cycle I'm going to sit in the left seat and I want you to sit in the right seat and you're not going to do anything I just want you to watch me fly for this fuel cycle. And I want you to take notes on everything you see that I do wrong. And I'm not going to try and do anything wrong. You just, you do that. And so we flew for the five loads and I'm like, so let's see the list. And of course he turns the list over and it's a decent list of stuff that I had missed. And I'm like, there you go that's the shit that I need to work on. And I got 8,000 hours in this plane. So stop busting yourself up. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. If you're fucking perfect, then you're not human. You know, you're never going to be perfect. You're always making mistakes. The The trick is making the mistake and trying to improve. It's never being perfect. It's always trying to improve.
1: That's it. But also, what, one of the nice things that you just said right there. If you are observing somebody, you're gonna find things because when you're doing it, you're not thinking of about course. it. So that is one of the wonderful things. Another thing, to, like another advice to to young skydivers: get a coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the coach, the coach is actually you're paying them not to be better, but to be safer. Sure. You know, because you're safer, you're gonna become better. But by you spending that money, you're grabbing years of experience bundling up in one day work and those five jumps, let's say you don't even do ten jumps, those five jumps you've done that day with that coach is going to improve your career like six months. Of course it
0: is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that's what those coaches and what those instructors are there for. Please take advantage of my hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that I've dumped into this lifestyle and save yourself a lot of time and energy and learn from all these different things. And it's not ego. It's just me passing it on. And at the end of the day, exactly. you know, people like you and I and, and the majority of the skydivers I know want to teach these people not just because there's a buck in it, but because we want more people to play with. <laughs> of I want more Hell yeah, want man. More Friends to go out and have fun with, you know, it, it, it's that's what yeah. it's all about. That really is.
1: I want somebody to bust my balls, man. Right, man. I want somebody to go, Pablo, you're an idiot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no. I want
0: somebody to buy me fucking pink <laughs> candles and tell me I suck in the tunnel. <laughs> that's it, man. <laughs> that's
1: so funny, but yeah, you know, those it's it... uh, and something yeah, else, please, man. Please. May may all beings be happy and be grateful, man. Life. We are here on this journey of life as a passenger on this skeleton, whatever body we have that we are very awkward inside of, that we're trying to figure out how to use it. Some people get better on it. Just be grateful that we have the opportunities we have. We have, think about it, a hundred years ago, people were dying for stupid infections. Now we know those things. We have advanced so much. and. Just be grateful for what we have, man. Be grateful that you're going to wake up in the morning and you're not worried where your next meal is coming from. You're worried about what color t-shirt I'm putting on. You you know, know, like how lucky we are. I've tried to
0: explain to people, I'm like, um, the best part of uh, the way that I see my life and the way that I live my life is not being the lucky fucker that I have been my entire life. The best part is knowing how lucky I've been. That's the best part. I know how lucky I am to live the life that I do. I know how lucky I am to have the friends that I do and enjoy the things that I do and have had a supportive family and all these. I know how fucking lucky I am. I feel bad for the people that are as lucky as we are and they don't get it. Those are the ones I feel bad for that are just... Oh man, that's it's horrible, right? You just want to smack him and go, "Do you not know how fucking lucky you are? This is amazing that you just you lucked into this time in the world, and you lucked into that body, and you lucked into this lifestyle and this sport. Holy shit, man! You won the galactic lottery a billion times over. Yeah, enjoy it. And so we are like, we're we're, we're lucky. We're fucking lucky, man.
1: Yeah, we. We are like point zero 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 one percent of the population of yeah. the world. Oh, yeah. We get to, we get to fly. Yeah. We, we are not falling anymore. We are not flippy floppers anymore. We are like, I'm gonna fly on this yeah. angle, no, no, no. and you We're, fly on that angle. We, we, I'm gonna.
0: We do on a daily basis what guys like Galileo only dreamed of. The people told him he was crazy for even thinking that anything but a bird could fly. And here we are, not really all that long later, with friends of ours that strap jets to solid wings and fly with Airbus (laughs) three eighties and jump off of cliffs and fly down terrain and do all this insanely cool stuff that we do, man, we are lucky.
1: (laughs) Yes, we are. And those two those two guys putting like those those three guys putting those jets on their back, I couldn't be happier for them. They are like me neither all all around for everything that they've done they are amazing oh, yeah. and they are so fucking oh, humble
0: yeah. I, I, i'm oh, my say, God. i'm not going to lie i'm a little jealous i'm 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 super I'm jealous. jealous no no i'm super um, jealous I, not not I just because <laughs> of that but because they got the the fucking french accent thing going on and they're good looking guys yes. and all that. i'm just i'm a little jealous i'm not gonna lie but i also happen to think it's the coolest fucking thing ever and i think they're rock stars for doing it i really do yeah, yeah. and
1: i know i i'm owning my jealousy because i'm so happy oh, for yeah. them and being jealous makes me happy i'm like you know what? High five. You deserve oh, it, I'm so jealous. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I once, I once got to fly with uh, Vince inside a wind tunnel when he had a fucking rod coming out of his broken foot.
0: <laughs> it takes a special kind of dedication. And he's
1: like, and I'm like, he's like, I should not be flying. The doctor said not to do any extreme things. Fuck him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, man. And, like, he showed me off in the tunnel. I'm like, I- I'm done. I'm done. That's yep. it. That's your profession. I just stick to rigging, my yep. friend. You need me to build something for you, I build yep, that's it. That's it. Yeah, you want a
0: <laughs> solid jump run flow, and I'm your guy. Uh, you want a, a <laughs> drogue throne I can I can take care of that for you but the rest of it no no I'm I'm kind of just a tourist I'm just uh, yeah yep. well Pablo it yeah. has been fucking spectacular catching up to you and we literally could go on for hours and hours and hours yeah. and we may have to just do a recap another time for sure because I'm going to want to keep up with everything okay. you got going on it's just been
1: dude life is amazing it's man. been
0: wonderful catching up to you
1: it really has thank you thank you Thank you so much. I feel so grateful for this opportunity. And uh, I like literally, I always enjoy talking to you. And like you said that we had a fallout. I don't remember. It that
0: wasn't even a fallout. Like, I think it was more of a you... misunderstanding that was literally solved by a 30 second conversation because we were both adult enough to go, I, oh, wait, I can see it from that perspective. Cool. And that was it.
1: I I don't even remember. It. And like, you know, to be honest with you, it's just we both learned something from each other. And we are both like always uplifted. I remember like. When when I had my issues with it, I remember you going like, you know what, Pablo, you're gonna be okay. Oh, yeah, man. No matter oh, what, yeah. you're gonna be well, okay. Just that tight. And I remember like of all the chaos that was going on in my life and you saying that, I was like just taking a deep breath and calming down. Yeah, just because somebody that I care for was like, Hey dude, life is good, man. I know I know how you are, I know how you work, you'll be okay. Just don't be an idiot and don't push yourself down. <laughs> you can sure. you can come up. You know, and i will be like, man, motherfucker, fuck him, <laughs> but he's all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you were making me stop and think about it, you know. And like, to be honest with you, life is is a blast. Yeah. Oh God, it's yeah. a blast, man.
0: Yeah. You know, even the bad stuff for it's all worth it. It's all a lesson, and it's all aiming us in the right direction. So, wh- where yeah. do people get a hold of you? <laughs> Have you got an Instagram? Have you got a Facebook? What drops uh, are you at? How do they how do I, they come get their shit packed by you? And I don't mean that in a sexual way. All right.
2: Uh,
1: I have uh, my own little company called Sky Pirates yep. uh, LLC. I think it has a Facebook page. I don't remember. What you got your uh, own company my... and you
0: don't know if you got a Facebook page? You are not good on marketing. Uh,
1: no, I'm I'm stuck at it. Like I I like uh, word of All mouth. Right, so I, Sky I like People to actually to. <laughs> I like people to trust me. So Sky Pirates LLC. My Instagram, my Facebook is. Uh, uh, Pablito Perasoli.
0: Okay. Wait, 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 I think wait, Hang on. Can my yeah, but uh, so, yeah, there? for Americans, you're gonna have to spell hello. that. Hello. Hello. Did hello. Did we lose you? You there? Yeah, you still there?
1: The...
0: Yeah.
1: I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> Did we get you? <laughs> yeah. so uh, Have right.
0: I got you back? Which
1: one, Pablito? It's a uh, Papa. Yeah, yeah. We're back. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I had a little bit of a poor connection. No, here no, on no, the problem. Front. So my, my Facebook is Pablito Perasoli and it's spelled, I will say it phonetically, like pilots talk to Please. each other, the cool, the cool slang, you know? If I'm talking to the fucking pilot, I need to learn that shit. <laughs> um, it's a Papa, Alpha, Bravo, Lima, India, Tango, Oscar, Space. Uh, my last name is Papa, Echo, Romeo, Alpha, Zulu, Zulu, Oscar, Lima, India. Well done. And uh, I practice a little bit. <laughs> uh, are you still yeah. there? Keep going. And uh, my my Instagram, um, yeah, you still
0: yeah, oh yeah.
1: right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I would say it also phonetically, it's Papa Alpha Bravo Sierra
0: Papa. Perfect. Perfect. Well, so That's so it. now they can uh, find out a little bit more about your business and your rigging work. If they need a, a reserve pack, or they want to come uh, shoot the shit and just have a little bit of fun? Now they know how to get a hold of you
1: fantastic uh, i like to do all type of projects and special weird projects awesome. that's what i really enjoy awesome. doing things that they break the
0: statute perfect perfect man and i guarantee <laughs> yeah. somebody out there awesome. listening has got something i guarantee oh well, pablo hey, it's awesome been, bring it it's on it's been a let's, real privilege let's make cool things. i'm really really so happy Dude, to catch same you here. Up. you take care of yourself man same much here. love you too dean love, love you, you man. too be safe All right, this has been another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void with me, the fucking pilot, brought to you proudly in association with Blue Skies Magazine. Head on over to blueskiesmag.com where you can subscribe to the magazine. You can get yourself some really cool swag like leggings and t-shirts and previously published uh, issues, and you can also submit your own really cool stories. If I can write for the magazine, so can you, so drop a line to Laura and Cola and let them know what you've been up to. As for me, uh, you can catch my stuff at the pilot.net. There you're going to have links not only to all my guests, but you're going to be able to get your hands on both the books that I've published. Uh, the Blue Skies Magazine Fucking Pilot book was the first one out, and the second one out now is The Accidental Stripper. Uh, you can catch both of those in digital and print format via Amazon, but links straight to them are on my website. You can also catch me on Facebook at the effinpilot, E-F-F-I-N pilot, and Instagram at the Princess Pilot. Uh, Both of those will get you links not only to my stuff, but to my guests as well. As always, it's been a blast having you, and we will see you next time around on Lunatic Fringe Into the Void.